This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 593 brought to you by Harry's. Go to harrys.com right now. Enter code iFanboy at checkout to get a trial shave set for free. That's harrys.com, code iFanboy, and iFanboy listeners just like you. Boy, pick of the week, episode 593. I'm Connor Kilpatrick, alongside my co-host Josh Flanagan. Hello. Sorry, I had to put my game face on there. It took a second. I had to take a breath. But let's do this. Ron Richards. I've always got my game face on. At the yeah, drop of a hat. Ready to go. Well, when are you not podcasting? I know. That's really... It's... You're, yeah, you're basically <laughs> constantly warmed up. Well, I will say, the other, the other night, I, I had nothing to do, and I spent about an hour of it going... Oh sh- shit! Who? What? What am I supposed to be doing right now? Like, I, I clearly, I can't have nothing to do. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Yeah. We are I fanboy, yeah. and every week we're uh, in a stack of comics. And when it's time to change, <laughs> <laughs> one of us picks their favorite book. We call it the pick of the week. We talk about that book, other books that came out. Patron pick, maybe some listener mail. If we've got time. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Here's your spoiler warning. This is a review show. There'll be spoilers. There'll be spoilers. Exercise some caution. This week, I did not have to pick. It was Josh. Yes, it was me. And it was one of those weeks where the pick of the week was not immediately apparent to me. So I had to sort of do the thing where you look at them all. You whittle down. What did I enjoy the most? And (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and say, to my surprise, uh, I went with Defenders number three from Brian Michael Bendis and David Marquez. You weren't the only one surprised because at the last patron hangout, you said that you really disliked the first issue. Did I? Yes. You did. I don't know. And we have it we have it recorded. It's on record. We we can go to the minutes. I can get my staff to get the minutes together. Connor, can you go to the can you go to the minutes? Can you? <laughs> no, I I think that's that's fine, but I do know that when the the second issue came out, um I believe it was just Ron and I, I was like this was this was really really I was like surprised how much I was enjoying it. So when this came along, I kind of had a little I was looking forward to it. And I I think that there's a little expectation of they keep changing these characters around on me a little bit. So mm-hmm. once we set what our standards are for it, it's a little easier to get into. I think because we, as we'd gone from sort of a couple of different versions of Luke Cage and Iron Fist or, or whatever, I like what he's doing here. And I think that we are in a little bit of a, we're in a we're, we've talked about this too, but we're in a good age for, for Bendis stuff. Like he's going back to the things that we really fell for him with. Yeah, it's it's. I, I agree. I, I don't want to. I won't, I'm not going to go as far to say that we're in a in a renaissance, but it's definitely a. Uh, it, it, and nor do I want to say it's a return to form, but I do want to say it's trending in the right direction. Let's just say that it, it's 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 enjoyable. There's even stuff in yeah. here. There's a, so there's a sequence in here where uh, they're trying to get out the backstory, which is basically the entire plot of the TV miniseries, where they have like people on the street just explaining the story of what happened, or Luke Cage and. Uh, and Diamondback, which is funny because they just wanted to get out of the way. But over this three-page sequence or four pages, each panel is a different person on the street telling the story to either the narrator or somebody standing there. And I was like, oh, this is like Powers. 
Yeah, a little bit. I got, I, got, I, I, I got a similar vibe to that. Yeah, where it's it's utilizing not just the main characters, but everyone around. And and there's no narrator in this. It's the idea of like, I almost got, I mean, like it, the book opened, the recap is by Ben Yurick. And not that it's, um, I don't, I think it's just people talking about Luke Cage, but it could have been Ben getting more information. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it, it definitely could have gone in either of those directions. But I, that was a nice little, because not only does it, not only does it tell the story that he's trying to tell, but it it further bolsters Luke Cage's presence in Harlem, in the neighborhood. Which, which was the point they're trying to make, yeah. you know, uh, earlier in the book. And, you know, at first I was like, I don't know, is this hacky? And then I thought, you know, this is this is Bendis, a guy who can really get away without all, without doing a lot. I mean, he can kind of just do his Bendis thing. And it's fine. And it seems like he's trying to make this interesting either for us or for himself. And uh, I can respect that. Then at the same time, you have Marquez not really looking like the Marquez that I tend to think of. He's showing me a lot of range. I know through the last, uh, what was the last event that he just drew? That was good. He did Civil War II. Civil War II, exactly. Where the, the whole time I was like, he's doing, you know, like career work. And this is him doing what he does with almost like a slightly different style, which I think has something to do with the production of it with the colors. Um, but I really, really like the the cartooning, I guess, that is going on when they're in sort of the hospital room, you know, and, and, you know, Matt is kind of slumped over, you know, while he's getting his transfusion or whatever. And uh, Iron Fist is doing his he's medita- meditating. Yeah. Whatever that pose is. Chi, the chi focusing. Yeah. 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 And I just really like the the acting and the placement of everybody. And also like he's keeping there are one, two, three, four, five characters in that room sort of around. And if you look, it's all where it's supposed to be. It's really well told and laid out. Uh, I do think, however, there was a little, uh, just to ding him a little bit, there's a bit at the beginning, it's on the second page of story, where all the bow tie guys, or I don't know if that's Black Cat's retinue or, or whatever, they all sort of turn on her. Yeah. But yeah. There's, there's a little thing where they pull their guns on her, and I was like, I had to read it a couple times. I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, the guns, they're standing behind her, and then all the guns are at her shoulders. Yeah, their guns are too high. Yeah, I just was like, I didn't know what was happening, but I also don't know who those guys are. I don't know if that's like her henchmen. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily matter. It, it doesn't matter. It, like that didn't really take away from it. I did notice that at the beginning, and I thought that was weird, um, and sort of out of uh, you know out of character. Uh, then as we go through the rest of the thing, I, I I was just having fun with it, and I and I like. I, I'm not a huge Punisher fan, but like this is the this is the right way to use him to a certain extent. It was the TV Punisher, and basically like he's doing the TV stuff, but he's doing it in a way that that worked for me. Um, and I like the mystery of what's going on with Diamondback and why is he so extremely powerful and this little Bane moment at the end. And basically, I just I had fun with it. There's not a thing about this, you know, other you know, other than I really did like the artwork a heck of a lot. There's not a thing about this. It was like, oh, this was the thing that put it over the top. It's just solid. And it was it was fun to read. Well, I'm going to go a little further. To this is Marvel's best book right now. Wow. I'm gonna side a little towards more towards you, Josh, in in that I, this feels like a Bendis book from ten years ago, fifteen years sure. ago. This feels like the exciting Bendis who, whenever a book came out, you were super excited to read it. I don't mind that it's the TV version because ultimately TV stuff is basically doing what Bendis did originally anyway. So it's like sure. snakes, the snake eating its tail. That Jeff it's, could, it's not. Yeah, it's not even like a knock on it. It's just a thing I'm noticing. Yeah, I mean, which, which here it works because. Jessica Jones and the Daredevil stuff was basically redoing Bendis' stuff. So it's, he's doing his own stuff, which was redone by TV people. So I, I don't mind it at all in that sense. It's a great group of characters. It's characters he's all had experience with. Iron Fist, not so much, but 
everyone else, he, he's, he knows these characters. So I, in that sense, putting them in a room together is what makes this all really fun. And the David Marquez art is wonderful. This is the book I look forward to the most from, from Marvel right now. Yeah, I, 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 I'm going to agree with you there, Connor, and that like when I when I went through my stack of books and kind of did my kind of organization of what I'm going to read in what order, I surprised myself in that like I think I, I, I think I read this first, to be honest with you. I think um, I did, too. I was yeah, just like, it was, you know what? I want to start with something I'm looking forward to. Yeah, and, and and I think you know building up the momentum. I think I think this issue was good. I don't know. I th- I think the last issue was better with that great Daredevil slide pose. That was fantastic. But um, you know, it's really it really definitely feels like something special. Um, is in and which is good because you don't want with the TV show coming up and this clearly being the you know the comic template for the TV show. You don't want just a mail in or a you know just kind of a you know like I'm glad they're Bendis has given it his all with these characters that he knows so well. And also, yeah. like, we don't – it's not – it's it's being done well in, in the fact, like, it's out before the TV show, so I don't have to yeah. compare the two of them directly. You know, it, it's it's setting up something. Hopefully, the idea for them, I'm guessing, is to have a trade ready when the show comes out that people can go buy. And well, it's in, every other, it's in every other week comic, right? Yeah. We, we, yeah. Had, yeah. we had it two weeks ago, so it should be six issues out by the – you know, the show's out mid-August, so we have uh, – Yeah. That seems, that seems to be our RI, which seems like them sort of getting their stuff together, which I guess I just appreciate. Yeah. But it, and it's but it's good. It's not substandard product. And a lot of times, those sort of last minute tie-ins are. One of the things we've been talking about a lot in the show and amongst ourselves is the precipitous decline in the quality of comic book art across the board, and yes. it only makes a, a book like this stand out more. I mean, Dave Marquez it's, doesn't need any qualifiers. However, when you put him next to some of the other art I read this week on some major major books, it only makes it this book look that much more amazing. It's astonishing. Bro. It's a, it's astonishing. I mean, like, I, yeah. I mean, it's great. It's, it's great to see how far Marquez has come, and he deserves all the credit for that. But then, in that comparison, me too. Like, there's a couple of books. Um, we'll get to it a little later on in the show. But like, there's a couple of the X Men books where it's just like, really, how is this? Uh, a, how is this Marvel quality, much less any publisher quality? Yeah. It's really startling. It's only been three issues, but I have a lot of love for these characters in general, and I just yeah. think this is classic Bendis. In terms, of, this is how I felt when Avengers was coming out. This is how yeah, I felt it feels Daredevil good. Was coming out, and and think about how great of the time that was to read comics. Yeah, so this, this is for me that feeling coming back again. Well, and it, it was a good week for Bendis, Spider-Man. for Bendis and great artists because then you also had, uh, you know, going back to the well with Spider Man Two number one, Spider Man, Spider Man with you know Bendis being you know kind of reunited with Sarah Pacelli who we know how great she is and kind of going back to the, you know, Miles and Peter kind of team up book. Um, so just like, you know, I, I, I don't know if they do that on purpose or if there's a way to go, but like having them both ship in the same week, like space it out a little, yep. you know, like <laughs> this was so. weird because it wasn't a big deal, but I still don't understand the Miles Morales rules. Like, Oh, neither do I. Yeah. Does he, yeah. does he know that yes. he was a character from another uh, universe? Does he know? Does he, I yes, mean, he, he knows that. Yes, yeah, I think I think he's aware of that uh, because he refers to it here. He's like, "This is where the portal to my whatever was." But he so, also right? just went in the portal to to the Spider Gwen place. Also yeah, yeah, recently. yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, been, he's, been right. di- he's been dimension hopping. Why doesn't he spend more time dealing with the fact that he's not from this dimension? Then, right? Yeah, I feel like that should be a bigger plot line in his particular book. Right. <laughs> he's so so he just he just refers. He says he, he says, you know, it's him and Spider-Man going to the warehouse. You know, Miles saying, do you remember this place? And and Peter kind of fills in the blanks. And Miles even and Miles even says, if my old dimension isn't there anymore, dot, dot, dot. Like, so he's aware that he's from a different dimension right. as a teenager. How he's not curled up in a fe- in the fetal <laughs> position. I don't know. But <laughs> I, you know what? You're both right. But also, I don't want to read that. 
Right. Yeah. No. no like you're you're not wrong, but I I'd rather just that's fine. Gloss over it. It's totally yeah. fine. Yeah. We love the first Spider-Man miniseries. Yeah. So the big cliffhanger in that was Peter returning to his dimension, googling Miles Morales, and being all super shocked about what he found, and that was never followed up on. That was however many years ago. So is here, that did see that was the thing. Like, is that what happened at the end of that series? Because it was five years ago. That was the know. final scene in the series. Was him googling Miles Morales and then being all shocked. There was definitely a thing where I was like, well. I may have missed something that happened in one of the 40 books these characters show up in. So here we actually meet, at the very end, on the final page, the Miles Morales of the 616 universe, who looks nothing like the other Miles Morales and has a whole scarred-up face. So Yep. Is older, it looks like, right? Yeah. Don't know what it means. Don't know why he doesn't look like the other Miles Morales, but well, and then also the page before that, you get a you get a very menacing Taskmaster master re- reveal, which has got to be a Taskmaster from a different dimension because Taskmaster currently is working for Hydra and and Captain America and doesn't look like well, this. clearly this it's doesn't take place sticky. during Secret Empire. Yeah, yeah. So good. <laughs> also, can I just add? He better be from another dimension because the Taskmaster has the best goddamn uniform in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> yeah, and if they're going to change it to this, whatever the crap this is. I'm yeah. just glad it wasn't uh, me who said it. Yeah. <laughs> Those aren't the right boots. There's a problem right there. Some sort of medieval knight <laughs> uniform. Yeah. No, but this is great. It was great. To, it was great to see Pacelli back. I mean, I could, I could, I could read pages of Pacelli drawing Spider-Man uh, in both forms, whether it's Miles or Peter. You know, no matter what, especially coming off of seeing Spider-Man: Homecoming. This is, you know, this is. I was, I was like, oh yeah, gimme, gimme, gimme. I love the little eyes that she does on the Spider-Man. Yep. I thought this was fun. I, I love this fight sequence with the armadillo. We talked about this when Spectacular Spider-Man came out. I don't get a lot of Peter Parker Spider-Man in my life, so it's nice to have have this to read. Yep. Um, cool. We have a good dynamic, a good older brother, younger brother dynamic. Yep. yep. So you said uh, you said it was good that Spider-Man doesn't take place with any kind of vestiges of Secret Empire. And uh, <laughs> goddamn, I wish I wish that was the case with the X-Men books right now. So uh, of all, like, what's the best way to kill the momentum of a good book? Crossover. Crossover. And furthermore, I had to go back and I went back and reread X-Men Blue number six after I read X-Men Blue number seven, which came out this week, because I had to be like, wait, did I miss an issue? Because X-Men Blue number six ended with them fighting some team of ninjas and it ended with Jean Grey saying, oh, you'll teach us to be ninjas. And now X-Men Blue number seven opens up where the X-Men team is uh, trapped in a uh, mutant camp on Alcatraz uh, being held captive by Emma and, and all the people running the, the new mutant country, new tie-in or whatever it is. And, like complete radical departure from anything going on in this book to tie it into Secret Empire. And I don't even know, I assume this all happened in some other book, but it doesn't even tell me what book that happened in. I don't know. As a standalone story, I... I thought it was fine but like yeah. it's just i'm not reading secret empire so i'm not invested in what's happening in that world so right well but the, the crazy thing is that the recap page on x-men blue number seven says previously in x-men blue and tells you what's going on at secret empire but that never happened in x-men blue i went back I went back to the sixth issue that's not what happened well obviously not because it's, it's happening in secret empire yeah Right, no, but it's just previous. It's just previously in x-men blue uh, i get it i get it i get it I yeah get it. okay i'm that's just awesome. flipping through this thing that's yeah. a lot of characters 
Well, yeah, it's there's like a lot. Every a, character in this. Yeah, they, 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 there's a lot going on. I mean, it's dealing with what's going on with the mutants in Secret Empire, which I understand. Uh-huh. But you had a whole storyline going. They found Jimmy Hudson, the the ultimate dimension son of Wolverine, and it was all like they just found him. They're they're getting you know they're 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 explaining to him that that he's safe. And now in this, he's got a costume, and it's just like he's part of the team. Like it literally feels like I missed multiple issues. And as far as I can tell, I did not, and that's bad in my mind. Yeah. Can I take a sidebar here? I yes. agree with you. I'm fine with Thank that. Thank you. Why are Havoc's got bubbles? He got his face got all fucked up. Havoc's face is all it's it's Phantom of the Opera going on. Oh, I the bubbles. Uh, oh, the bubbles and the power has always been there. That's been the representation of his cosmic. Like it's a cosmic bolt, so it's always cosmic been kind of bubble. Because I always just thought yeah. of that circley thing. Yeah, it's the circley thing, but it's like, but you see, the circles are coming from his hands. Like that's yeah. It's just another representation of the circley power. That's all. Okay. They're not bubbles. It's more like they, I mean, it looks like because it's two D, but it's more blue like blue balls, blue balls, blue balls. <laughs> but uh, no, I gotta tell you, I mean, uh, this is the only X Men book we're talking about this week. But a bunch of them came out this week, and you know, we're coming off of you know, we're two months into the you know, quote unquote relaunch. But it, it, it you know, X Men Blue was the best of the bunch, and this is a major hit. Weapon X, I was enjoying with Greg Pak, and that was kind of the Wolverine, Sabretooth, Domino. Like, that's a cool team. And I stopped reading that issue midway because uh, Sabretooth said he was being subtweeted. Oh. Ugh. And then... That's, and, a per- that's a perfectly valid reason. And I, I, literally, I literally said out loud, I'm out, and I closed that book. <laughs> and then I started... <laughs> and, I, and, then I, and then I went to go read Generation X, and I got two pages in, and the art is just a joke. And I said, I'm out, and I closed that. Um, Jean Grey was all right with, you know, with a guest star of uh, Thor, you know, like uh, Unworthy Thor. That was a fun... That was kind of a fun romp. But it's just like, it's back to not being any good. And it's very, very upsetting. I don't care about Jimmy Hudson. I would like him to go away. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Because they can't have Wolverine. Like, I just... I, they, uh, uh, don't get me started. But, uh, yeah, that's a problem. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that I wasn't the only one who read Cal Exit number one from Black Mask Studios this week because I had a lot of thoughts on it and I didn't want to be monologuing. Oh, yeah, no, no, I, I definitely read it. I mean, so, uh, so Cal Exit number one by Black Mask, uh, written by the guy who's running Black Mask, Matt Pizziolo, and with art by Aman K. Nawelpan. Yeah, this has gotten a lot of attention in the political press. I believe it's on the cover of the Drudge. It was on the front page of the Drudge Report for a couple when of days. I- <laughs> I went to work on the script, and I was looking for information on it. I was like, "Oh, this is this has been a thing already." Uh, uh, so Amanke Kyle, used to be a guy who would hang around iFanboy, and uh, it was in the SketchUp a little bit uh, near yeah. the end of that. Uh, well, that's that. That's the thing for me. The big story from this is Amanke. I think I. I mean, I, I was I was aware of Amanke um, both from you know popping up in you know old iFanboy stuff as well as uh, his book Clandestino, which Black Mask eventually was publishing. But I came across it when I was working at Image, and it, it has been great to see him evolve and develop and there were some pages in here where i was just like oh god he's good i would agree except for the one of the characters i thought was terribly drawn the priest guy the, the, the bad guy with the i don't understand the clothes he's wearing i think the the facial hair doesn't fit that kind of character right but that might, might not be him that might be what pizziolo is asking I, to be designed fine. i actually don't think it's also he's, yeah. i don't think he's drawn well yeah but everything else was fine well what's funny is that so you're talking about the guy with the beard and the round glasses yes, right the bad guy there were times there were times where the drawings of that guy were channeling Alex Robinson. Yeah, it didn't fit. Right, yeah, no, and, and that, that's what I thought. 
like it was it like there were times where his face and I know with the, maybe it's because of the white glasses or whatever it is, but it it made me think of Alex Robinson and made me think of cartoony. And while Amon K is doing some cartooning going on here, you know, not as far to the the degree of an Alex Robinson cartooning. That said, I I love the the Courier character. I thought he he drew that guy and the facial expressions and stuff like that. Like I got that character both from visually as well as the writing. I thought it was that was really well done. Yeah. Yeah. So no, what's the story I, here, and why was the Drudge Report mad so about it? So I was interested in this because as I'm a, coming on seven years now in California, and every year, no matter what the election results, somebody wants to secede from the union, yep. either if, mm-hmm. the, the liberal side currently, the conservative side before, Silicon Valley. There's this constant Cal exit talk, which is stupid because it would never actually happen. Uh, right. So this story posits the idea that things get much worse in the United States from the current situation, and the cities of California on the coast decide to try to secede, and there's a, there's a political and uh, armed conflict. Um, it opens up very promisingly. There's a couple of maps. There's yep. some, some John Paul Leone-esque art showing yep. the President Trump character and the refugee ha- camps and occupations of the Hoover Dam and that kind of thing, and there's a, that's all fine. And then I think it fell off a cliff pretty fast. Well, I don't know if it fell off a cliff. I think I think it went from it it went from at first it felt like okay, this is going to be a Brian Wood esque political right. kind of thing, and then and then I think you're right in that it I think it fell in that I, it fell back to earth and it just focused on you have this you have this character this tattooed uh, motorcycle driving what he's called a smuggler or kind of like bike messenger e but you know just kind of like a, a drug dealer you know smuggler guy he'll go deliver anything you need delivered you know that that sort of thing and he gets pulled in and there's a girl who's on the run who represents so there's the guy with the glasses who looks like Alice Robinson drew him and he is he is operating in the in the interest of the president and America right although i don't think that he's actually sanctioned that that was this that was what i got like I, he was maybe i don't know but then so then and then there's a rebellious young teen girl who's hiding who he wants you know to capture and what you know what the story has done is has kind of thrown this smuggler guy in with this you know kind of Che Guevara-esque you know rebel leader girl and you know now he needs to get her to safety or do whatever it is so it it becomes a very grounded singular person story as opposed to a larger kind of global you know kind of global story I just realized that the rebel girl has a has a artificial leg yes yeah, I missed that while I was reading it originally. Yeah, that wasn't very clear yeah. except for in one scene. The, the main guy, he's leading the Homeland tr- Security Troops. He's definitely yeah, the yeah. government. When I heard about this, when I read the first couple of pages, in my, my head I was hoping for a Brian Wood-esque DMZ-type story. Yeah. This was sillier. This was more over the top. Yeah. It didn't feel as grounded and real. And it was hard because it came out in a week that had Briggsland from Brian Wood, which is uh, similarly sourced, and so is uh, The Divided States of Hysteria, which also came out from Howard Chaikin. All these books are similar in that they are dealing with the current political climate and, and where things could go. And I thought of the three, this, this was like a distant third in terms of quality. In terms of being like relevant to now, this felt the, the least relevant. Right. Yeah. No, and, and I can see that, although it's hard to take those three books, which while I think similar in theme are very different in execution and in quality and all that sort of stuff. But the, I mean, what I think is interesting is that like, so Pizziolo put, you know, not only a little essay in the back, as I think you have to with this sort of thing, but some interviews with some interesting people. And, you know, and, and Matt's, a, you know, Matt's, Matt's from a very similar upbringing as me, like that he's a, you know, kind of underground punk hardcore kid, you know, who's grown up and now makes comics and all that sort of stuff. And I thought it was really 
really impressive that he took the time to take the the to write the the essay in the back as he did and explain it and that you know it makes it very clear like he's not in support of Calax like he says that he says that it, you know if that if that happened he thinks that it would it would probably be you know a civil war in California before even the federal got involved right mm-hmm. um, you know you get a sense that he's not in support of that but then he also I think he really kind of structured it in that like when they started it versus everything that's happened since when he started this project I think that's really interesting and um, you know so from that kind of standpoint I think that's interesting I don't think that this is like a call to arms or anything in support of California exiting or anything like that but it's saying okay in a world where this happened I'm going to tell this really you know kind of smaller story of rebellion you know and that, that's just the way to go with it I I, I agree with you Connor on that I, I don't think that this was you know I mean, they're definitely younger creators in comparison to Brian Wood or Chaykin or whomever. Although I didn't, I didn't think to actually compare them or not, um, or to grade them in any degree. Um, but for me, like it was, it was Amonke's art that was just had me go, and that that kept me in. I just really, really liked it. Story-wise, I tend to agree with you more, but the art made up for it for me, basically. I think in the hands of a more sophisticated creator, it could have been a more interesting book. Yeah, I, 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 I can concede and agree to that. Yeah, interesting, so- interesting though, interesting, and I'm glad it exists though. I think that's. I think it's. I think it's good that this is happening from an independent publisher. Like this is the kind of book I would want to see, also with a level of quality. And you're right. You know, they're they're less experienced creators. But I mean, honestly, this art was better than Generation X. Well, yeah, low bar. Well, I mean, but that's a book at Marvel. It shouldn't be. That's what I'm saying. I get it. It's it's good to see. It's good to see an indie publisher putting out a book that is of a higher quality than fucking Marvel and DC. You know, which is crazy. So you guys picked uh, the first, was it The Forge? Dark Days The Forge. I yeah, didn't pick before. it. Okay, I, didn't, I haven't listened <laughs> yet. But, but, uh, so I made sure to read that before getting to this week's The Casting. And I actually got to the end of The Forge and I was like, I really like that. And I wasn't sure why. I was like, I think there was a bit of a mess, but for some reason I liked it. And then I got to this one, and now I don't know what to think. I don't know what's happening. Okay. Uh, we talked about that in the first, with The, with the Forge. We really loved it, but don't quite know what's happening this didn't clear things up any although it continued on what we liked about the first one which is it's bringing back a lot of classic elements of the dcu here we have the return of the challenges of the unknown the blackhawks shazam captain marvel's being teased so it's this is i know a little bit about what's coming in with this it's it's some sort of multiverse dimensional story in which some evil versions of heroes or, or maybe just batman come through to attack the dcu but to me it, this feels like if we're starting to set up the Watchmen stuff for next summer or whatever that's happening, this seems like too similar to that. Yeah, well, that was the thing I, I kept thinking is, wait, is because I haven't read most of the press on it, but I kept thinking, was this the part where the Watchmen show up? Because right. it was a big octopus thing at Part the of the end. problem is that they are, they've been teasing the Watchmen stuff for so long that everything that's big, we, we assume this is it now. Uh-huh. I don't think this is it, even though there seem to be some similarities. No, this is definitely this is definitely not it. I no, mean, this I know. Is, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and maybe it's going to tie into. I don't even know if it's going to tie into it or not. But well, this, this is, doesn't. Yeah. That's Jeff Johns, and this doesn't feel like Jeff Johns, basically. No, it doesn't. I mean, honestly, for me. The, and whether you know, and I, I I defer to Connor in that you're the DC guy, and maybe this this hits it for you and all this sort of notes. This reads to me like Snyder's story handed to Tinian and overwritten. Yeah, it's way overwritten. So yeah. many so many words on these pages, and you've got some of the best artists in the industry now. Well, and I just look at a page and I just see I just see text. 
Uh, you know, and, I, and that, that's a, more so this issue than the first issue. Yeah, this this was a step down yeah. in the first issue for sure. Yeah, this is a big step down. Yep, and so I this, still and the, and the thing is, I still don't understand. Fine, you're going to rotate Ramita, Jim Lee, and Kubert. That's fine. Break up the scenes at least. Don't I, well, change the art like, in mid scene. Yeah, and they're not like each other. Yeah, like they're not. I I don't understand the art choice other than putting those names on the cover. Yeah, and I mean. Those Jim Lee pages don't look good. Well, you never liked Jim Lee. I know that, but there's like there's a couple of them there where I'm like, this is really this is this is what everyone's waiting for. There's a shot right at the beginning of Green Lantern standing there with the Joker and Duke. I think that's him. And I don't know, it just doesn't look it says the Batcave Gotham City and he's pointing at it. It's just not dynamic or interesting. And I was and I'm trying. I always I've always tried to find the thing about it that people like. I feel like the, a lot of the mystery of the first one was really what was fun about it. And this one, I was like, oh, it's the Joker. And they explain the metal is, you know, what's keeping everybody alive. And it's a good concept, I suppose. But I don't like the overarching explanation for everything, which is what this is. Yeah. The, the one thing I never like in comics is that there's some mystic cosmic element behind everything. You know, yep, I don't want the spider totem. And it can't just be a guy who decides to become a hero he's got to be like drawn by destiny you know they, right. fucked, they fucked with green arrow in the same way they now that he's going through a whole line of archers and that's stupid the totem thing yeah and jms did he was like one of the first ones to do that and here we're we're in that territory again and i know that's one of the things snyder likes to explore is the mm-hmm. hidden history behind what's familiar but i don't think every hero needs to have that and although here we, we get some indication that duke has got some hidden superpowers because of the metal which Maybe the reason why everyone has superpowers, and that's the, I guess the nth yeah. metal is the ninth metal. Yeah, so that that was my guess. Yeah, maybe that's what's getting everyone superpowers. Like I don't, I don't necessarily need that. But then again, it's you know we've had these things in the past many times where there's just some you know the meta gene was the nineties. Mm-hmm. So there's you can just ignore it and move on if you don't like it. What I did like is was funny is that there were lots of little tidbits of things that I was like, oh, I want to see more of that. I want to see more of that, and then they move on like. I like Batman and Talia talking to each other. Think that's yep. interesting. Like, I don't understand this Duke guy at all. Like, at one point, I think there was a line like, uh, what's your code name? I don't have one. And I was like, good. I didn't know what was going on. This is still a prologue to the Metal miniseries. Uh-huh. It's still kind of an overview. They sort of skip along from characters to characters. I'll tell you something. If Kubert had done this whole thing, I, you know, it's like a full letter grade up. Like, the stuff that hit his pages are the ones that feel the most right, certainly in the Bad Cave. I think that's the Kubert stuff because it's not Jim Lee or it's certainly yeah. The, I, I, the, the Kubert stuff, I think. No, I don't think Kubert was in the Batcave. I think wasn't um, wasn't that just Jim Lee and Ramita in the Batcave? Wasn't Kubert all the um, one, the one where Batman shows up? You know what it is, Jansen. Yeah, it's the Jansen. Jansen. It looks like it looks like Miller. Yeah, oh, that look, does look like Miller. Yeah, look good. It looks yeah. like look, the Dark Knight yeah. Returns actually. Oh wait, that does look like Kubert with Jansen. Well, how do you see? That's it the is. thing is that I don't know. Like they don't tell us who that. does every page. But I want that. At that I want that. I want it to yeah. look like that. And then the flashbacky bits that I didn't really read all of the Rip Hunter stuff. You know, have a different person do that. Yeah. That's definitely Rami- uh, That's definitely Kubert with the the next page where Hal's pointing at Batman. Yeah. Well, yeah. When Bat when Batman comes in on the on the uh, on the stalagmite or whatever, that's Kubert. That's for sure Kubert. That's the best art in the book. Yeah, I agree. I agree there. That's got the Jansen inks. Right. Yeah, the Jansen. It's all about Jansen. We don't. Jansen. Know. <laughs> nice got shot, Jansen. Jansen. Nice shot, Jansen. Can I ask you a question earlier in the book when uh, Wonder Woman gives Batman the flaming sword? Yeah. And then he puts it in his belt. Yeah. I had this question. His suit's asbestos. I just went with it. 
<laughs> just, just, just a practical kind of just like ow. <laughs> like he's trying to be all cool. And he's like, he's like, cool, flaming sword belt. Oh, that was a mistake. <laughs> Don't show it. Don't show it. Bite the lip. Bite the lip. Everything's cool, Diana. Everything's be tough. Cool. Be tough. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what made me smile the most. I was like, awesome, double X. Cool. Let's let's bring out these deep DC characters. And then he was dead or something. The next page, but <laughs> bring that on. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird time to have this come out. Yeah, it is. That's for sure. Who knows? So let's take a quick break and talk about Harry's. Let me tell you about how much I like Harry's, guys. So three times a week I get up at 6 a.m. and go to uh, the gym at 7 before work. And I get up an extra half hour early because I could shower and shave at the gym with their shower and shave products, which are all very nice. But I get up an extra half hour early to shower and shave at my house so I can use my Harry's razor blade. That is how much I enjoy the shave I get on my head with the Harry's blade. And, And it makes sense because it's just the best. Yeah. So Harry's is so confident you're going to love their blades. They're going to give you a trial shave set for free when you sign up at harrys.com slash ifanboy. Just pay for the shipping. Why use Harry's? Well, why do we use Harry's? Why do the three of us all use Harry's and have done so for years? Harry's is all about a great shave at a fair price, which is why over 3 million people have switched to Harry's. Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who are fed up with buying overpriced razors, started Harry's to fix shaving. They bought their own German factory, which I guess is a thing you can do. I didn't even know you could just buy a German factory, but Andy and Jeff did it. (laughs) They've got over 100 years of blade-making experience at that factory to ensure the highest quality. All products are backed by a 100% quality guarantee. Harry's offers their blades at half the price of the leading five-blade razor, selling directly to you over the internet. So how do you get your free trial set? First, you go, it's $13 of value. That's what, that's what the shave set is worth. When you sign up for free, you get that. Just cover the shipping. The trial set includes a weighted ergonomic razor handle of five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, which Ron loves. You get your rich lathering shave gel. You get your travel blade cover, which I love as someone who travels quite frequently with my Harry's blades. To get your free trial set, you go to harrys.com slash ifanboy right now. That's harrys.com slash ifanboy. Get your free trial set. There's, there's no obligation other than the shipping cost. How could you not do it? Just try it. I mean, we've been talking about Harry's for so long now, and literally, I used to hate shaving, and now, like you, Connor, I look forward to it. I like the shave gel. Like the shave gel. I yep. gave the uh, the Father's Day set to two people over Father's Day, and they both now are going to sign up for Harry's because that's how much they like the blades. There it is. There you go. Boom. Action Comics 983. How do you feel about this, Connor? I like this one more than Superman. I think I did. I think I liked it because it's big and stupid. <laughs> I like the Victor Bogdanovic art, too. I did, too. I also, I'm kind of, I am a little bit uh, enamored by Dan Jurgens at this point. Like, you still going. Didn't Victor Bogdanovic draw new Superman? There was. They move him over from there? John Bogdanov was a Superman artist. No, 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 no. no. New Superman, the the Chinese Superman book. Wasn't Victor Bogdanovic the artist there? Now they moved him here, and now they have Billy Tan on that. Yep, I think so. I like the art before there. This is, he's good. Yep, he is. It's a nice. This is a big old dumb super fight between Superman, Supergirl, New Superman, Steel, Lex Luthor Superman for whatever dumb reason. Oh, and Superwoman versus like Zod and Metallo and Mongol, just, Mongol and Cyborg. Like everybody, just fight. I, I think that Jurgens has perfectly captured this tone and making it feel both throwbacky but not like it's it's all it's almost aware it's hokey, but it doesn't matter. Like it's just it's leaning into it basically. Yeah, and there's even fun. a bit where like you think that Zod has blown up the ship that Lois and John are on. And, and Superman's like, we'll deal with it later. Right now, we have business to take care of. And I was like, this is c- stupid, but it was fun. Yeah. I think it's dumb fun. And I, I, I I'm really like this. it. I, I, the yep. I didn't like the storyline previous to this, but I'm, I'm enjoying this storyline. Better than Manchester Black. Oh, yeah. Way better. 
Deadly Class number 29. Before I rave about Wes Craig as usual, I just want to, if anybody saw the the Pride variant that went out, had a cover by Ed Luce of Wolvable O Fame that I may or may not have had a hand in happening. So uh, I was very happy to see that uh, that cover come, uh, get printed and look awesome because Ed Luce is the best. Ron, would you have made this your pick of the week? Uh, real close. Real, real close because <laughs> the conversation at the end yeah. um, but, uh, between, oh, and I remember when I read it, I remember the character's name. I can't remember Thor. it. Thor. We're going to yeah, call him Thor. Yeah, but the, about the, helmet, the metal. Head talk, yeah, helmet talking to what's her face talking and and explaining uh, oh, that yeah. she might like punk now, but at some point it's gonna get co-opted just like his precious metal was, and uh, 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 that was just like and uh, of course Remender writes that, but it was well, there was like it was, it was like a ten page yeah. music talk, and I was like, well, this is this is yeah. gonna be Ron's pick. That's of the week. why it's he here. I put it, I put it on the list. Yeah, yeah, you put it on the list. Yeah, it was great. Good stuff. <laughs> it, was, it was a burrito attack. It was fun. It was, it was also really sweet, actually, yeah. and I yeah. think it, this was the point that the series needed that. Yeah. Flash number 26. Uh, if Howard Porter was the regular artist, I would not complain. Oh, no. Who? Right. What What sort of moron would? <laughs> uh, uh, he's still drawing the the Flash costume with the lines, but I understand that's editorial mandate. But but uh, Howard Porter, man, like he's good, so get, good. Get, off, get off the Scooby, get on the Flash. That's it's a good move. So is he on the, is he on the Apocalypse <laughs> book? Is that him? He, he was when it started. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't oh. I wouldn't want to lose Gian, Gian Domenico. Yeah. Porter is great. But I mean, when it's Gian Domenico, it's a whole nother level of book. So but those two. Yeah. Yeah, this is good. I like that. This is the book where we keep seeing elements of Watchmen seeping in. This is the one where reality keeps reshaping yep. around him. Things change in a, in a minor way. The reverse Flash being very confused because you know he used to know things, doesn't know them anymore. It, this is this is this is a great book. Also, great bearded old man Barry Allen. Oh man, that's yeah. good stuff. Very good stuff. And then finally, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, number 24. I'm enjoying this bizarre Green Lantern-centric world, but I, the reason why I just want to call this out is because, Josh, I don't think you're reading this. Nope. But in the very first pages, I think it's actually like the, the second and the third page or so, there's actually a character who says, uh, caw, caw, several times, <laughs> and it made me laugh out loud. Uh, yeah, it was uh, Romat Romat Rue, the uh, bird-like looking yellow lantern, and I think oh. he. Uh, yeah, and there's a big caw caw, and it just made me laugh K. out loud. You with a K? Yep, K W K W. So there it is. He's evil, so that makes sense. <laughs> Good crows see evil crows K. Yep. So yeah. there it is. Right. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. That's You're your welcome. caw update. Uh, <laughs> the month of July. Yep. <laughs> let's let's head over to Star Wars Corner. Connor, you're excited about this, right? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I can't get over this Darth Vader book because I just can't make up my mind about it. And I what? think that I'm hate reading it. A little bit. <laughs> Why? What do you uh, what, uh, what do you not like about it? I don't like any story that shows development of the character prior to episode four. Well, here, here, okay, here's the thing. I wanted to, I, I agree with you there, but get on Connor, my train, need, Josh. Get on my train. We have t shirts and cupcakes. Con Connor, you might need to take your headphones off, or I'm going to try to say this in a way to not do anything. But I have a feeling that something that happened in this book is laying the groundwork for something that happens or something that's explained in episode eight. How would you know? You and, Josh, episode eight? and Josh, if you read the book closely, you probably can figure out what that is. Uh, I I don't know what I was I don't know anything so about it. Dar eight, Darth so. Vader, Darth Vader, no, no well, neither do I. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. Darth Vader, Darth Vader, Connor. I'm saying ways to not ruin it for you. If Darth Darth Vader goes to that place to talk to that guy, what is yeah. that guy doing? That's similar to right. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. See. Yeah. Okay. Yep. 
I hear you. I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to see episode eight and that's going to be a big part of it. So if you're into all that stuff, you might want to read this because it might be laying that groundwork. If you're like Connor, you want to burn every copy of it. Yep. That's yeah. fair enough. <laughs> I, I will say that compared to um, uh, LaRocca on the regular Star Wars book, uh, Giuseppe Camincoli is is a revelation. Yeah, agreed. Like, agreed. It's much better. Although there is a bit there's a bit where he cuts his leg off uh, in this and I had no idea what was what I was looking at. Like the way well, it was well, drawn. That, that was really funny. Like, so Vader gets his Vader gets his left leg like kind of burned off, and it's just the robot leg, and then it gets cut off, and it's like, oh man, we've never seen Vader in the Vader costume aside from the end of Je- Return of the Jedi get like his ass kicked, and he's getting yeah. his ass kicked in this book. So yeah, the guy has a top knot though, so exactly. he's a dual top knot. Yeah. So like, this right. is the kind of thing like I'm like, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't. It's nothing. It's not wrong. It just doesn't feel right. And but I keep reading it. Right. It's not oh, yeah, no, bad. It's not badly done. It's I can't it's the I can't look away. Up. You can't look away. So That's what it is. It's, a, it's yep. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So uh then that gets us to the patrons pick, which is the book that you the supporting patrons or the 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 few of you, the 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 loyal, the faithful, the iFanboy patrons every week get to vote on a book that they want us to discuss. And the number one book this week was Mage the Hero Denied number 0 uh by Matt Wagner, The Return of Mage, one of my favorite series of all times. Um and also the the coldest answer I've ever gotten from a creator when I asked Matt Wagner about 10 years ago when the book was coming back. And he gave me a very cold answer. Uh, so I'm what, glad to see what this. What was back. it? That's it was cute. something just like it was like I'll do it when I'm ready or like you know Matt Wagner is a little so, a little surly and it was a surly answer. So remember Connor was at WonderCon. It was that year we took a nap on the con I floor. I don't remember. There's a lot of you cons. remember the you remember the nap. Yes, I do remember the nap. It, yes. Yeah, it was that year. That doesn't happen anymore. No. Well, that was the joke. The that was the joke about how sleepy WonderCon in San Francisco was towards the end. We literally <laughs> fell. We literally fell asleep. Patrons, I like I like the moxie in picking Mage the Hero denied them uh, for, to make us read it. I was going to read it anyway, but no, maybe no we could have maybe you could have waited for a full size issue for us to read. I gotta say, yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about denied? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Wait, what? That's all. That's the end. Well, it's, of it's the a first. teaser. Uh, I know. I get yeah, it. I get it. But I mean, I was actually happy. It was only sixteen pages. I was like, woo, that was quick. I've actually never read Mage. I've read some of it. At some point, it's one of those things like I just had heard that I would probably like, and I remember seeing the T-shirts. I bought like three quote-unquote trades, but they weren't really trades back then. They were. I remember they fell apart. Also, like all the in, like the pages all fell apart, and so I read them once a long time ago, and I don't think I got that far in the story overall. Um, I but love, I liked I lo- it. I love Mage. Mage, I, and I would recommend you guys read the first Mage. Is a little rough because that was like eighties. You know, like the the production quality kind of hurts the book a little, like the coloring and stuff like that. But the second series was just – I forgot what it was called, Mage the Hero Returns or something like that. That was just awesome. Is it the Hero Defined? It might be the Hero Defined. Yeah, it might be the Hero Defined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Defined was the first one and Returned was the second one, which I loved, which I read. And then I went back and read the first series, and now I'm so excited for this third one. I would strongly recommend you guys read at least the second one because it's it is basically like King Arthur legend in modern times. His bat is Excalibur. That's basically yeah. Or he has, the, he, has the, he, has, he has the power to make an object into Excalibur, basically. Okay. Like he did in this issue where he grabbed the street sign and it became – it lit up. That was – so like in the in the second series, he, he, he used as, as a bat. That was his – you know, kind of weapon of choice, but he has just the ability to ignite anything and and have it be the power of Excalibur. Um, it's a really clever take on King Arthur legend. And what I think is also really funny is that uh, this character shares a lot, I think, in common with Hellboy. 
which is funny given the sort of generation and time that they came out of because it's very Gen X-y, just sort of like, whatever. Let's just right. do this. But he's super competent at the same time. So the last two pages of this, I was like, all right, I'm ready to get going. And then I went to flip it after the monster shows up. And I was like, damn it, because I didn't. I was reading it digitally. I didn't know. I mean, I like that it felt old. I like that it felt like a book I would have read 20 years ago. Oh, with great color. The dialogue great and the art. and I mean, I like Matt Wagner a lot as a creator. He, he's done some really fantastic work. The Trinity book he did for DC was one of my favorite DC graphic novels. Image is reprinting the old stuff. So there's a new collection coming out of the first miniseries. Strongly recommend. Which I'm going to read. And then maybe we'll talk about it on a book split or something. But it's one of the few books from that era when we started iFanboy that I missed. Because this was a book that was talked about a lot in the early 2000s. Kevin Smith is a huge fan of it, and he was always talking yep. about it back then. I remember he tried to do the movie of it. It didn't work out. Yeah, and like that, that's, like that, that's the movie Kevin Smith was born to make, and it's a tragedy that it didn't happen. So I'm, I'm excited to, to, to... But it had know. to have happened before... Yeah. 2003, 5, so like not, not yeah. after. Yeah. All right. Agreed. So, Connor, with, with this you know, kind of dipping your toe in the world of Mage, are you, you intrigued? Yeah, I'm definitely intrigued. I, I like, like I said, I like Matt Wagner. I get, I get the character from this story. He's, he's interesting. Um, you don't get very many male pattern baldness superheroes, so that's fun. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, he is balder than he was in the previous series, which I liked. I like that there's a, a, a real clear sign of aging in this story. Like, he, he looks older, which is, yeah. uh, which is cool. Uh, all right, so ratings, ratings, ratings. Ratings. I'm going to give this a... Four. I'm going to give it a four and a half. The only uh, ding was that it was too short. I'm going to say four with the exact same note. All right, sticking with it. Yes. Although, I guess I'll read this before the previous ones. I don't know. Honestly, I read the second one with before reading the first one. I really, Wagner is such a good storyteller that I would dare to say that you could read this without reading anything and you could go back and that can enhance the reading after you've read, like, I don't think you need to read the first two volumes before you read this. Because I didn't read the first one before I read the second one. Okay. And I, and I, I figured it out, you know? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure I can. I'm, 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 I'm yeah. no problem doing that. Yep. All right, cool. Well, thank you to the patrons for voting in that book, voting that book. That was one I could get behind. I appreciate that. Um, but we want to thank a couple of specific Hold patrons. on, hold on. I feel like Josh should give a more heartier thank you since he bitched about this last week. True. Um, yeah, I liked it. I was really happy to read it. <laughs> well, well, do you want to thank the patrons? Because they were discussing that in the, in the patron comments, which I know you don't read. They didn't want to disappoint you again. That's right? actually very sweet of them because I actually just assumed that it would go the other way. Like, screw well, I, screw I this assume guy. there's a silent majority who want to screw you like that, but uh-huh. uh, but yeah. some of them in the comments were no Connor, you know, Connor, wait, oh, no, you're mistaking the patrons with you and me. Oh, right. There's, right. Listen, yeah. <laughs> there's value. There's value in either in either decision. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't deny them that for the show it can go either way. Yeah. So, uh, but I, you know what? I, actually, I like the mix. Sometimes I like to read something I hate because. Well, I don't focus on that stuff too often on the show. All right. But then other times you can read something like this, which I haven't thought about in a long time. And I don't know that I got it completely when I first time, time tried to read it. But when I was reading now, you know, I was like, oh, I can totally see what's great about this right away. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, patience. Josh, thanks you. If he can't thank you, sincerely, I can. So thank you. Did. But it sounded insincere. It, it did. He's, but I think that's just the way he talks. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm right here. I know. Um, so we want to thank a couple of uh, the direct patrons who have helped support iFanboy. And uh, if you go to patreon.com slash iFanboy and sign up to become a patron at the five de- $5 or higher level, you get you get bestowed with a superpower. It could be a dumb superpower. It could be a great superpower. But no matter what, it is a superpower. And since Josh is so sincere, he gets to do two of them this week. Take it away, my friend. 
Ryan Salas, I believe I might be pronouncing that correctly. Ryan with an H. Um, he has the power that if somebody's talking to him and he makes a little zip it motion with his hand, no sound comes out. No. He just goes. Oh. That's useful. That's very yeah, useful. That's, that's very, very similar to the power I had a couple of months ago with the guy who could lower the volume. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> nice. But this one, this one yeah, is this more one. aggressive. You're it's not more direct. I like that. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's fun. Jonathan Evans, thank you. And his power is that despite having no other artistic ability, he can draw a perfect circle with both hands. But at this, <laughs> wait, two, two circles or one circle? He, 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 either hand. With either hand, he can draw a perfect okay. circle. I, I just wasn't. Uh, uh, sure, I wasn't sure if he had two hands with two pens and could draw a perfect circle that way. You know what I mean? He could, like going, he could do it at the same time right. if he wanted to. But, yeah. uh, Superhero yeah. named the Hickman. <laughs> <laughs> nice. he, he, he's busy. Uh, Benjamin Komar, I want to thank Ben for supporting iFanboy. And people think that Ben has the power to fly, like flight, and he kind of does. But in reality, what it actually is, is that he can fly through the air and go anywhere, but it has to go through Detroit first. So, <laughs> so it's so really more, it's re, it's really more of a meta, of a magnetic attraction to Detroit and then a repelling from Detroit. So it's, he's like he's like oh I want to fly to Texas. He's got to go boing, and he flies to Detroit and then down to to, to Austin. The hub so. system. Yeah, the it's hub system. The hub. Right. Yeah, it's a hub. <laughs> so there it is. <laughs> Gene Law, who is the law has the power to accurately strike any object with another thrown object within a 20-foot radius. Wow. Oh. He, can, he can hit anything within a 20-foot radius with, with, with an object that he could normally lift or, or throw. Well, so he's, he's, he's good at close quarters combat then. Yeah, yeah, or just, or just that waste paper ball game basket. I was oh. watching Under Siege last night, one of the few uh-huh. watchable Steven Seagal movies, and he's, he would be very useful in that scenario. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Not a good three-point shooter, though. No. Interesting. Within 20 feet so out. So he get close to the rim. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. A lot of other things to worry about in basketball besides just the accuracy. So especially if you're close in. Right. So being in a lane, you know, if he's if he's 5'8", not going to help. Hmm. All right. All right. There you go. But if he gets a clear shot, it's going. Well, wait, he can hit the rim. It doesn't mean he's going to go in the rim. Well, no, he's the, the spot he's aiming for it goes to. So if he aims, you know, dead center. I see. Okay. Of the rim, it's going to go in there. 20 foot radius, though. Gotcha. All right. So go to patreon.com slash iFanboy, and that is where you can sign up to become a loyal iFanboy patron. And we thank everybody who supported us. And uh, when you go to patreon.com slash iFanboy, uh, you can sign up as little as a dollar a month, and that gets you access to vote on to help us pick a book to talk about on the podcast, as well as you get your name thanked on the website. Uh, and then at the various levels, uh, you get some cool swag like pins and stickers and comic books, as well as your uh, dumb superpower. Um, and all patrons. Patrons get access to our monthly hangouts, which our next one is coming up. Uh, what's the date of that, Connor? It's, uh, it's July 31st. July 31st at 9.30 p.m. So, uh, yeah, so mark that in your calendars. Uh, and that's a great way to support iFanboy. We thank everybody who does that at patreon.com slash iFanboy. If you don't want to sign up to become a patron, you can go to iFanboy.com slash support where there's a link to shop on Amazon, and that helps us out in the process. Amazon sends us a couple of dollars for sending you their way. So we thank everybody who shops via Amazon. You can give a direct donation via PayPal. Uh, that link is over there at iFanboy.com slash support. And if you want to add a little iFanboy style to your life, you can go to iFanboy.3 
thereless.com where you can get t-shirts, duvet covers, pencil cases, all various uh, products with our various designs. Uh, we've got the iFanboy logo shirt. We've got the Herm shirt. We've got the Pick of the Week podcast shirt. And we got the rating shirt. And there is a new shirt on the way. Uh, it's going to be – It's it, it might debut. Maybe we'll debut it during the Hangout. Maybe. Oh, that's a good idea. That's a good. That's a good idea. So, they become a patron. Go to the hangout. You can be the first to see the new iFanboy shirt. It definitely will be out uh, within the next couple of weeks. So, and you can get that over iFanboy.threadless.com. We thank everybody for their support. Let's get an email in now, guys. Let's do the what first do you say? One. All okay. right. Peter from Victoria, British Columbia, Canada, says, "I've been thinking of this question since exactly 9:32 p.m. Pacific time on February 9th, 2017, as I finished reading Kingpin number one and thought, wow." I love this whole series that it scratched a niche I love in superhero comics. It takes place in a world without being about superheroes. It reminds me of what I love so much about Gotham Central, despite me not being well versed in the DC universe. Do you have any recommendations for any books or runs that take place in the Marvel universe or others that are not directly about the superheroes themselves? And do you have any you'd want to read? Has Tombstone ever had a gritty noir book about him? I'd be into that. Well, Tombstone is a D-level character, so no, he's never had a book about him. Um, I think yeah, he's a great he's character. Ever had a series. I think he's a fun he's character. He's shown up but, a lot. Yeah, but he's he would a, never yeah, have he's his a, own he, book. He's a street-level villain. Yeah, he's a great foil, but he's not a not yeah not the focus of the book. Immediately, I thought of you know I don't know about Noiri though, but recommendations for books that take place in the Marvel universe, not directly about the superheroes. Well, I was gonna say Marvels. That is about the superheroes, but from a different perspective. Yes. Yeah. It's about the people on the ground. Yes. Yeah. It made me think of Damage Control, which I haven't mm, right. thought of in a really long time, which is still, I think, a great uh, – It's to me, like this question made me think of the great undiscovered question, which is the, you know, that book about the bureaucracy of, the, of working in the Marvel Universe. Right. Right. It's almost like – it's al- like a S.H.I.E.L.D. book could almost be this. Yeah. You know, that cleanup team, but it's not because they got to make it about espionage or something. But I still think that the West Wing as based in the Marvel Universe. It's, you know what's funny is that Secret Empire actually has some elements of that. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. For the first time in a while, which is almost disappointing. Right. <laughs> like, that, like that's where it has to happen. Like, like that book needs to exist, but I don't know that it does. You know, this is where I really get upset that we're getting old because I know that there were books that exist in Marvel and DC that kind of did this. And I can't remember what they are. I was kind of hoping you would remember some of them. Yeah, I know. Me too. Yeah. I, I also question the idea because Kingpin's a supervillain. So the, it's not like it's not about superheroes. Or yeah. Villains. Kingpin is still about us. It's like Gotham Central was about the cops. There wasn't like it was about, you know, the Joker. Yeah. Um, so right. it's still, it's still it, pretty much in that world. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and make a this, – this, this doesn't fit exactly. But I think one of the things that was really great about the recent Spider-Woman series um, and even the one that preceded that, both written by Dennis Hopeless, um, which was uh, Roger the Bad, whatever he is, the porcupine or the badger, and then Ben Urich and, and Spider-Woman. Like the parts that were about the superhero were not nearly as interesting as the sort of parts about – they were basically running like a, a PI kind of thing going right. there. Um, that was really good. I feel like there's definitely been some good. Well, I, like I want to go back. I, I, I yeah. But I think uh, on the DC side, I feel like and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on a show, but I feel like Checkmate was a good example of this. Mm-hmm. Not really noiry, but more you know, kind of military, you know, like you know, espionage kind of stuff mm-hmm. could be interesting. Um, I, powers too, even though there's got superheroes in that, that 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 might scratch your noir itch you got there. If you've never read Powers, go check that out. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go outside of it again. A book that I've always really liked again, not noir. But Kev, um, which was a mm. spinoff of The Authority, written by Garth Ennis, 
um, was about this guy who was a sort of a special forces guy, and he kept getting mixed up with the authority, and it was pretty tongue in cheek. But he was just trying to live this normal life, and the authority and all that superhero stuff kept coming in, you know, to interfere with him. And he eventually, like, he, he basically has some sort of powers. I forget what it was, but I really like that because Hitman's a lot like this. Is actually kind of a Garth Ennis thing. Is that, you know, like it was a regular person dealing with living in the world of the powers, even if that person had powers or not, like because Tommy Monaghan was not among those superheroes, but he had a different perspective than than they always do. And I think that's what was good about that book. Right. I'm saying it's tough because these hitman try that. These type of stories don't sell. Yeah, yes. that, that's why. That's why I can't remember them because I know that there's always been quirky, weird kind of things that have come out that last a few issues, and I love them, you know, because they're weird. But then they go away and they they fall back into the ether. You know, I mean, if Greg Rucka and Ed Brubaker can't, well, Gotham Center went forty issues, but it wasn't super successful, and that was at the height of their mainstream success. Yes, then and also a, a market that was completely prepared for that kind of book, as right. good as it was ever going to be. And so that's yeah. the fact that it, didn't, it wasn't a huge success. Is, I mean, th- that's why those, these things don't often happen that much. Yeah. Unfortunately, because we all love that kind of stuff. Right. Well, go go to ifanboy.com and look in the comments. If I can remember some of those weird offbeat Marvel ones, um, I'll post there because I'm going to do some research because now it's driving me crazy because I know there were definitely some weird like miniseries stuff that Marvel that kind of fall in this category um, that I'm just blanking on. So. This is a really good time, though, for it to, you know, like this. That's a good place to hit the comments and tell us what's going on there. Because and then, yeah. you know, I'm, Peter, you go check that out, too. I, I, there's definitely going to be answers. Yeah, I'm sure people listening have, have suggestions as well, too. So go to ifanboy.com, look in the comments, do that there. That'd be great. But you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com to get your question on the show. Be sure you include your name, where you're from, how long you thought about the question. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can even send in an MP3 if you want to send in your your melodious voice. <laughs> A melodious. That works also. <laughs> melodious. Did you guys? Like, did you guys <laughs> melodious was a third tier X Men villain. Yeah. <laughs> it's a <laughs> Melodia is uh, is just east of Wondagore. <laughs> so uh, we got the Spider Man Homecoming show out before last week's show. We didn't know what was gonna, how it was going to work, but we did it. You can go back and listen to our show. Ron and I talking about Spider Man Homecoming on the feed. Josh, did you get to see it? I did. Your quick you thoughts. I liked it. It was a lot of fun. I liked Michael Keaton a hell of a lot, but I don't see how you couldn't, g <laughs> It was good. It was good. It was fine. You know, I, uh, should have been some spider sense. Yes, and less spider tech, but that's that's fine. Yeah, I can yeah, see that. but the, you know, it, it's the world it is in. Yeah. All right, fine. That's fine. It's fun. I don't think it was the greatest thing of all time, but you know, it was fun. It was very good. We were very, Ron, we were Ron very put it in his top five Marvel movies. I think it's top five Marvel for sure. Like maybe five, four or five, but in top five. I'd have to, I'd have to do the math on that. Maybe that's, maybe okay. that's a patron to- topic for the next hangout. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, good idea. So. There you go. So that's, so that's, you can find that Spider-Man show two back behind, behind. Nope. Yes, two shows. Back. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Math is hard. <laughs> like I said, and I talked to Joshua Williamson, who's the writer of the Flash book, which we were just so very generous about and uh because he seems to be the perfect guy for that um in a, in a talk split episode he also wrote uh birthright and the re- and the concluded uh nail biter as 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 well as a ton of other stuff but i feel like there's a time and a place for the man right in the flash and it's him and it's now um so we talked for quite a while go check that one out as well uh there will be a book explode coming up soon because one month we do the talk explode means the next month we do the book explode uh, we'll be talking about get your pencils out the street angel gang by jim rugg um, and again, to reiterate, the Patreon Hangout, July 31st at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Eastern. 
Yeah, that uh, that book split will probably come out um, in a week, or this week maybe even. Yeah, yeah, like later this week, right? Like yeah, Thursday, later this week, so. I think. Yeah, Stranger Things actually comes out in August, so it's a little bit of a preview for everybody. Yeah, I won't be on that show, but I uh, like that book. So there you go. There's my review. I like Spoiler. it. And finally, uh, if you're watching Twin Peaks on Showtime, uh, you might want to go to damnfinepodcast.com where me and uh, our friend Tom Merritt are talking about Twin Peaks every episode. And this week, we're going to have Rick Remender on the show. Um, Hello. Comes out actually comes out the same day as this podcast, although later in the day, Monday, really. So, uh, but if you're a fan of Rick Remender and you want to hear what he thinks of David Lynch and Twin Peaks, tune into Damn Fine Podcast over at damnfinepodcast.com. You can head over to ifanboy.com. You can find all of our other podcasts, like the shows we just mentioned, like the Homecoming Show and the Josh's Talks Blood Show and the Upcoming Books Blood Show, all that at ifanboy.com. You can like ifanboy.com slash ifanboy and follow at ifanboy on Twitter. That's where you find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. And you can follow us individually, Jay Flanagan and Ron XO on Twitter and CS Kilpatrick on Instagram and for Jay Flanagan and Ron XO also on Instagram. And if you like this show, get over to iTunes. That is one of the most helpful you can, things you can do. Leave a review, write a review, do that thing, or tell people about the show. Send out links. You know, when people ask what's a good podcast, uh, let them know about this. And uh, that is the thing that helps us more than anything. We appreciate every every time somebody does that. So thanks very much, and uh, we'll keep doing this if you do that. Deal? We'll do this if you do that. Yep. I like that. That's it's our new motto. Too. It's I fanboy. You can't put that on a contract. I fanboy. We'll do this if you do that since 2001. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. And I'm Josh. 